0: It's the one and only Africa Allah and the B Team DJs by Playman's Dot today. You're familiar. It is the one and only Africa Allah, and you are now tuned into another episode of Being Africa Allah right here on Discover Music Channel by today. And today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with my esteemed colleague and friend, DJ Knotts. Knotts what's good.
1: What's good, yo? How are you?
0: All is well, all is well. So today we are are going through the month of music and today is all about dj knots first and foremost before we get into who dj knots is your inspirations etc i want to know what song lives rent free in your head
1: (laughs) i don't know if it's an actual song but probably more uh different bars and different songs live rent free in my head you know it's like you know when you're part of this culture like we've been for so long and you hear so many different lyrics and you just interact on a day-to-day basis with people. Just different situations call for different songs and different lyrics and different bars to be used. So I don't know if I have just one. It's like way too many. So I have like pieces of different ones (laughs) who I'll just pick up and use randomly.
0: Okay, now, you know, they don't do Rob of the Month or or quotable, right, hip hop quotable. Tell me, what is is a lyric that you feel bar none is the hardest lyric
1: that you ever heard? Hardest? Oh, (laughs) and actually it's a conversation that I probably bring up myself about once a year, just to start some stuff and just remind people how ill the line is. I assume you and your listeners uh, are familiar with Triumph by Wu-Tang Clan. Of course, of course, and you already know which bar I'm talking about just by saying that, don't you?
0: Go ahead and spit the bar. (laughs) 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 I might might know, but I'm sure there there are portions of the community because I just realized that um, wow, like ninety, like hip hop, like ninety three was like. 30 years ago.
1: Well, thanks for that depressing note. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that came became a part of the conversation. But uh, Triumph was like, what, 98, 97? Anyway, one of the greatest, actually to me, the greatest opening four bars in a hip-hop song. I bomb atomically, Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses. Can't define how I'd be dropping these mockeries. Lyrical perform on robbery, flee with the lottery. Possibly they spotted. Come on, come on. And then
0: the surprising part about that bar is who it was delivered by. Why was this? uh, 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 uh.
1: Why do you say that? (laughs)
0: I'm just saying. Anyway, so now that we know. Bar none. What you think is the hottest bar?
1: Hottest opening bar. Yes, indeed. I just okay. want to specify. Yes, yes.
0: Okay. Hottest opening bar. Let's let's specify that. What inspired you to become a DJ?
1: Uh, it's pretty simple. Seeing people really enjoy themselves and thinking how how to make the the moments even more uh, memorable. I remember coming down actually before that, but just, you know, the energy, you know, growing up in Brooklyn and spending time on, in summertime block parties and basement parties, things like that. I remember what that energy was like and wanted to provide that. So I went to high school down in Orlando and a lot of times we'd be out chilling. This is, you know, uh, mid to late 90s, actually the mid 90s. So, you know, we would be around kicking it. And I was like, man, you know what make this better? if somebody was DJing. And that's really where the love and energy and the focus wanted to come from. Wanted to provide the soundtrack, the backdrop, shit, the front drop, to whatever was going on. Saying that,
0: who are some of your idols? Who are some of the DJs that you look up to?
1: Yeah, idols and look up to my mother been told me about idols, but we don't leave that part alone. Um the DJs I, I, I truly respect and look at to as inspiration in the beginning. People like the Jazzy Jeffs, uh, the doo because, you know, mixtape seemed real heavy, you know, when I was coming up. I'm not going to put you in that. Uh, <laughs> who else? Who else? Who else? So between the mixtape and the party DJs, Jazzy yes, Jeff, Red Alert was a little bit before me, but, you know, even still, you could say um, a Red Alert. But I had a lot of a lot of homies, too, who were DJing before me who would inspire me th- the way that they were spinning, you know, a- a- as well so made me want to push myself you know what i mean so i'm um, a homie live wire just watching how he always took the science to it and of course he he dj's with dougie fresh now i've been with on um, with doug for at least i want to say over 10 years now so it, it's just a, a variety of people and situations where i could be like yo i really appreciate what they what they're doing so yeah
0: now you said that in high school you kind of Was inspired to be a DJ, but when did you actually start DJing?
1: Oh yeah, senior year. Senior years, Mm. I was buying the vinyl. um, First started messing around fully on the turntables. I did a little bit in in New York, but that was very random. So I could say the first official official time was yeah, senior year in high school.
0: Really? Okay. All right. That's what's up. Yeah, you start spending
1: your money on stuff. That's when you start to take it (laughs) serious. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right <laughs> Well um, so senior year in high school is when you really started really started investing in being a DJ. What were some of the challenges and what are some of the challenges that you faced as a DJ? Uh,
1: like most DJs when you' starting out some place to play getting access to the music because that was definitely all vinyl back then so you know it was like i said it was in orlando so we had a limited amount of our record stores you could go to so and it was still an abundance of djs not like it is now but it was still several djs who um you know you had to you had beat to record store you had to do your, your your crate digging had to be something serious just to even build your collection up and even decide well oh, what genre you wanted to start off with so you know back then if you weren't on the radio or if you weren't with the label and back then it actually meant something then you aren't getting access to all of those vinyls and things like that. So I remember the first time when I got real, had a, a real relationship with people with the label and they were like, oh man, we please take this vinyl, please. <laughs> I remember my homie Stacy, he um, works, works for Sony and I told him, this is after high school. So, and I told him like, yeah, I, I need more vinyl. This man had about nine or 10 boxes of vinyl shipped to me. At the store i was working at warehouse music over in, in, in stone mountain if anybody remembers that but um yeah yeah so my collection had an immediate influx of records just from sony alone
0: You know, that's interesting that you would say that. And I never really thought about it because now we're so inundated with so much music and we have access to all of these various record pools, of course, for a fee. But we have access to all of this music and I think we take this for granted. Like like you're saying now, you know, you had to have vinyl and you had to be very selective of what it was you were going to play because
1: you were only as good as your pockets. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a big that was a big part of it. I remember making decisions like, okay, I want doubles of this 12-inch single, but I also want the whole album, and my pockets ain't go that deep. So it was a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of times like, yo, okay, so am I going to get the whole album and be able to play other joints, or am I going to put on a little mini routine right now and get these doubles and go to work? So yeah, 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 definitely had to make some tough decisions. How has the party changed?
0: How has the party scene changed since you began to now?
1: Um, it's had different mutations and transformations, especially b- being here in Atlanta, especially in the different scenes that I was in. Because when you first started, you know, partying was, you know, people figuring it out. It was a lot of college parties. It was, it right. was you know, house parties, things like that. So, you know, once you get those parties going, it, it's pretty much just high energy and the fact that people are wanting to do something to party and everything else like that. So once you started getting outside and doing things, once I started getting outside and doing things in different clubs we're talking about mm, early 2000s for sure um, it was definitely about creating a vibe like the sets were different you definitely had your early warm sets where you played your your slower R&B or, or maybe older school um, hip hop um, or if it was a Caribbean party you know older school reggae things like that to you know we get into the mid part of the other the party where you are picking up, scene, you picking up energy. Those type of records to when you really have the prime time hours of, I'd say between one and two a.m. Depending how late you go, that may have got extended to one to three a.m. But you know, it, it, back then the hottest record out almost always ninety eight percent of the time got played at one a.m. If you had a one a.m. Re- one a.m. record, then you really had something, um, something special. And it was crazy because me and my friends would refer to it as that. Then I heard um, drama. Uh, DJ Drama, shout out to him, referred to it once in an interview as the same way. And I was and I was tripping. I was like, wait, y'all call it that too? So it was just interesting to see how other DJs relate to it the same way. So, so fast forward to picking it up now, there was a time in Atlanta where everything became about, you know, the lounge. You know, it was a whole lot of standing around. It was less women friendly records there's a whole lot of heavy hardcore street rap records that took over and that's basically what you heard so the dancing and the vibe in the club changed up a lot because of that so during that time it became a lot less fun for me to do those type of records because it was the same same message same type of energy behind it and it just wasn't you didn't get to see people party and really enjoy themselves like you used to they weren't there was no more dancing as much so I started doing more concentrated uh, Caribbean parties around that time, and that brought back a different kind of love because, of course, in the dance hall scene, in the soca scene, in places like that, they definitely made sure the the vibe is right. So I was coming in, me and my partner on DJ Impact, part of Black Trump Entertainment, when we started doing it, focusing on that, and. It was a big, it was a a, a small transition because we were still, you know, already going and doing somewhat of those parties. But this is when it became heavy focused on the Caribbean scene and the Caribbean clubs that we were doing. So that energy stayed the same. But, you know, over time, you know, and opportunities, things started to change more recently. I'd say in the last eh, five to seven years in certain aspects uh, of the club. It's always funny. And this is a sidebar. You probably remember when Puff came on uh, social media a few years ago and it was a big uproar on Twitter and things like that. So this might've been maybe eight or nine years ago now. And he was like, people don't party in the club. They don't <laughs> dance no more. And you know, DJs don't do this. And it causes this big uproar with a lot of the DJs here in the city and other places around the country. And people were telling Puff, like, yo, you part of the reason why it's like that. So it was just interesting to see that the delayed reaction for him to actually speak out on something like that. When we here on the Daily Grind doing this and we had been saying this. So that was another special, uh, I think, a special interesting mark in the time of partying and DJing. That was something that people can look back to as a reference point. Like, oh, wait, y'all finally get what we've been saying for the last five to seven years? Like, yeah, well, well, welcome to the club. So now I, you see it more of where you see a lot more theme parties now. Um, and I have to give some of the credit to um, the younger cats coming up now. They don't they don't fall to the same to the same, I guess, traditions as a lot of us coming up where you had to buy all of the bottles and you had to stand on couches and things like that. People still standing on couches, still partying, but they making sure now it's a party and it's not in this budget in the big. Mega clubs like people or part have their own party in in the the smaller the sized clubs and be having just as much fun. So long, long answer for a long period of time for me to reference.
0: <laughs> no, but 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 it's it's relevant and I I I wanted to jump on something that you said. You talked about the clubs recently on um, Twitter. I had a conversation with Tony X, and he was asking the question if people actually party in clubs Mm. like like I'm really sitting there because I I really you know I I do the Caribbean joints and the the festivals and the carnivals and stuff like that so the majority of the events that I participate in are outdoor are outdoor fets and events like we we have the beaches our backdrop so I don't Mm -hmm. really I don't really have too many club events unless I come to, unless I, unless I party in Atlanta or New York. Mm -hmm. And even then they're not necessarily in clubs, traditional clubs. So arch clubs, obsolete,
1: obsolete, maybe kind of strong, but they definitely don't have the influence that they used to. I definitely think they still serve a purpose and have an opportunity for people to party, but I wouldn't say the obsolete. That's kind of strong. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you ready to get him up out of here? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know the vibe. You know yeah, I do. Of course I do. Because like you said, you know, I love doing festivals. I probably like doing festivals more than anything else because right. the energy is so different, because people feel, um, see, they feel more relaxed and more ready to have a good time versus when they're inside of things like that. And that's just part of nature and science. You know what I mean? But yeah, those type of parties, it just feels like, okay, we are having a memory. We make it a memory right now. No matter how big the outdoor venue may be, the point is we're outdoors partying and hearing the music that we want to hear, being with the people that we want to be, rocking with the DJ that we want to rock with. So that is a difference maker for a lot of people, and as it should be. Keep it going. More of them. Let's do it.
0: Now, you're right. I, I know you from festivals. Um mm-hmm. Only recently, I've, I've, I've seen you at clubs, but I know you from festivals. Tell me a little bit about being a festival DJ and how that differs from being a resident DJ or DJing in a club.
1: Yeah, festivals are, are a very special kind of event. I was going to say special kind of beast, but that's not accurate. It's a special kind of event and environment. The ambiance is already there. Like whatever the weather is, that's going to be the ambiance <laughs> for the for whatever the festival is. Because I've done um, some in the fall, done some in in the hot ass summer down here in the south. I've done some in the springtime, and the, always the outdoor ones. They like I said, the energy is different in the air. You know, all eyes are on you. You know, you have to give the people something to remember you by, and you want to give them something to remember the event by. So that motivation makes the create it takes the creativity up a level. It takes the energy up a level. And it also the engagement is different at festivals. And that's what I always one of the things I always appreciate about it. You know what I mean? It's the connection is, is different. It's on a higher level if you're really in tune to what's going on at that festival and in that crowd and at that moment there have been several times where I will put together an idea of a set and then when you're in the moment oh now nah, I gotta go somewhere else with it and I'll be happy I did because I could feel that connection because being a DJ is already a special type of science and psychology that most professions don't understand unless they are you know in that field that social science field but when you can influence how people move you can influence how their mood changes in the moment and you can see and get that immediate response and see what you're doing and how it's affecting them. It's a different type of um, it's a different type of career <laughs> for sure.
0: I come from an era where it was imperative and it was imperative to introduce new music. And maybe so it's more so that my line of work required me (laughs) to Mm -hmm. make sure (laughs) the DJs were introducing new music because I worked in um, promotions. I I was the one delivering records to DJs. Mm -hmm. So tell me how you introduce records to your audience now in 2023. And what are some of the challenges when it comes to that? Because there's again, there's so much music, and we have access to so much music. It's no longer I just got this one record that the the promotion person sent me. You now have every week you get crates of records, and you're like, damn, I got music.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best ways uh, for me is for me to receive it from somebody I trust. And a lot of times that's not a that's not a label thing. That's a fellow DJ thing. You know, right. if a fellow DJ who I respect it, and he, they know the type of party and things that I do and how influential it is, then they only going to send me send send me certain types of records. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't get all kinds, but it's like when it comes from them, I'm like okay, I may sp- play that one first in my email to see what it sounds like to see what it feels like you know what I mean of course there's certain artists when they put out new music they, they're gonna get played they're gonna get that attention but when it comes to new music that you're just digging out of cause we're still talking about records that we get on a weekly basis you know when we out there in these clubs we get records a couple hours before or while we're there while we're playing people are sending us records so I hardly ever, 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 ever play records from somebody that give it to me in, in, in the club because I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it feels like. And whatever they're telling me is probably going to be a lie anyway. Whoever's trying to give me to play the record is going to be like, yo, this, this is popping right now. Whatever, whatever kind of adjectives and adverbs they want to use to get to, to sell it to me, uh, they're going to say. And I get that's part of the game. But even then, I it still takes a lot for me to even consider doing that. You know what I mean? Because... Number one, it's going to throw... It may throw off the flow. It may be whack. You know what I'm saying? And then it may still be something wrong with the file. Like, there's so many things that could go wrong in that situation. A lot of people don't understand it. So, to answer your question, it's still uh, varying ways that I listen to new music. I still love trying to find certain music that people haven't heard yet. A special B-side cut or album cut for those who know what a B-side means. An um, album cut that really stands out and it can really add to the party and people be like, yo, what is this? You know what I'm saying? And like you said, there's so much music and so many whole entire projects being put out. The chances are happening in a lot. Like, you know, EPs are real hot again right now. Five, six song projects that people are releasing and calling them projects but they basically EPs. Well, their fourth or fifth song Maybe be the best song on the damn project. And it's not the single, you know what I'm saying? So it's just about getting through that music. Um, the 10 second listen test is still a thing for me. It used to be 30 seconds, but I ain't got time no more. You know, so if you artists out there realize a lot of DJs, especially me, if you playing me or you want me to listen to something, there's gotta be something about it that grabs me in the first. 10 to 15 seconds, and, and I'm so serious about that. And I understand it's not fair to the music and what the song may build, that, but we just don't have the time. We just don't have the that time. Yeah, yeah. it can be just pop. like I said, it ain't even got to be the whole encompassing thing of just something about the song needs to catch me to make me want to make it through the next two minutes and 15 seconds, or even if you're actually making full songs again, a full three and a half minutes because that's becoming a thing now, too. That's coming back right, around. Right
0: right right i mean we talked about music we talked about what inspired you yeah the people that influenced you the changes in the music industry and the um parties you have also gone through an evolution as a dj tell us a little bit about your transition from being a dj to being a podcast host and how that worked as well as your philanthropy stuff because I know that you have a pro- uh, product name Hip Hop Gives Back I want you to kind of tell us a little bit about that in about 5 to 10 minutes
1: <laughs> just throw it all in there together that's what we're doing <laughs> just, just give it to me give give us a whole smorgasbord of it you know what I mean <laughs> You know, I'm going to leave like eight things out, but that's fine. Well, um, let, let's start with how you you ordered, because that's why my mom be working. But yeah, adding podcasting to the list of things that I enjoy doing has been, actually has been a, a, a slow thing. It's been going on for a few years. And to keep this that part of the story shorter, I had friends of mine who were early on the podcast game. I'm talking about like 05, 06, even some of the earliest, 04. You know, me and Impact, we had a radio show on internet radio called rnation.com. This was had to be shoot two thousand two, two thousand three, and this was before you know it was a really affordable thing. So shout out to OurNation for giving us that our first opportunity, and that's when we, that led us to our first thing doing stuff on um, on TV um, with hip hop. I forgot the name of the show now. My bad, Vic and Rob, don't kill me. But that's how that first started. So then I had friends of mine who enjoyed doing interviews and started doing official podcasts, like I said, in the mid 2000s. And they would have me on as guests. Some of them would be for music. Sometimes they'd want me to DJ in the background. Sometimes they'd actually want me on there as like a relationship expert. And if anybody knows me, one thing I do not call myself is a relationship expert because of various reasons. So being exposed to it at that time so early on was uh, a benefit, kind of like a foreshadowing of what was to come. So starting off and fully getting to kicking off my own show and own projects with friends of mine, um, the reason that came is because I realized I came to a point where people needed to hear me more than than they needed to hear me. And what I mean by that is they needed to hear what I was saying and the information I had to give and the engagement for me speaking on the on regular podcast versus DJing and hearing me play music. So that's why I say the difference between hearing me and hearing me. So, pause for applause came from that realm. Uh, me and my uh, uh, good friend, Will, we started that, shoot, what year was that? We on year, we in season nine now. So that's at least, what, four years ago? Somewhere, huh? Right,
0: right before the pandemic, I believe.
1: Yeah, right before the pandemic. Yes, thank you. That's a good, perfect market. Thank you. So we would always have these conversations, uh, and we're in our 40s, about, you know, things we wish we knew um, when we were younger. And that's really where the idea came from. You know, I do a lot of uh, coaching and uh, mentorship, which is great. Some of it through G-Man and Grindation. Um, if any of you guys know my speaking engagements or my speaking life, uh, coming from that side of it. So even then, doing the, the, uh, the small group coaching And just mentoring and building with other men and sharing that information. I was like, man, if younger dudes or younger people heard this information, it would help avoid them staying out of so many different troublesome spots that they didn't have to go through, you know, just from hearing it from other people and learning how to maneuver certain um, parts of life. So that's where the idea of the podcast came from. And then we always have a good time. Um, If y'all heard the show, y'all hear how we get down. So it was a combination of those two That's what made us come up with Pause for Applause podcast um, That's the feedback that we've been getting so much from people They appreciate us being so open And vulnerable about the things that we've been through um, To help other people And then it's just great dope ass content as well So which is the other main thing So that's where Pause for Applause has come from um, That's what we're continuing on and Getting ready to start our 10th season as well uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, so so between that, that's um, a big focus of mine now. I have another podcast series I'm getting ready to the start, but I can't really speak on it yet. But that'll be—you'll see that soon, probably by the beginning of March, um, from the way way that's looking. And that'll be a different type of uh, agenda and, and setup, but something I definitely know the the people will have something to take away from, which is always my goal. Um, but they, yeah, a lot of stuff goes hand-in-hand with what you said about Hip Hop is Back. Hip Hop is Back is a company and a community where we celebrate the positive side of the hip-hop culture. We started that back in 2008, and another uh, business partner of mine, uh, Mike Delpliche, um we started that back in 2008 simply because we wanted to highlight the positive side of the culture, because we got tired, I personally got tired of seeing um, hip-hop being targeted, and being used as a fear For other people to profit When they don't really care about it So we started When we first started Here goes your part when we first started out The whole point was like Yo we gonna show All these different artists Entertainers People in the in the culture Show them giving back And we gonna change The people's minds Cause it's only because They don't know about these things That could be the only reason why That they don't appreciate Hip hop like we do right Yeah That was the original thought <laughs> Fast forward two Three years into it It's like the people who have a problem with hip-hop don't care they don't care about the good part uh, of it unless it affects them directly they don't care about how they're helping so many people so many of our people in our community and inspiring people and helping people when they're in need they don't care about that part of it and how this has all been going on since the start of hip-hop what I realized is they were using it as a way to make themselves to get more attention, to deflect blame, and just an easy way for them to uh, make a hot button issue a hot button issue. So it was around that time and I was like, you know what, we gotta do something different. So that's when we decided to pivot and really focus on those of us who are part of the culture and the ones who are directly affected by hip hop. And it became less about trying to change other people's minds to a sense of we're here to inspire and empower through the culture. So that's what hip hop gets back is about. Um, we still do a lot of, um, events now that we're back outside again, we're going to get back to doing more camps and more events and things like that. Um, we've got one, I'm not even sure when this is going to end, One we're doing in partnership with the celebrate 50th anniversary of hip hop. Um, it's a hip hop and architecture event that we have coming up here in Atlanta. Um, where well, we'll be talking to a group of teens, introducing them to more about the culture, the art side as well, um, taking them to uh, one of the local studios here, Billboard Studios, and showing them what that process looks like. And also, so a lot more uh, deep dive engagement, more than just, hey, this is a recording booth type thing. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. So shout out to uh, Kimberly Joe for having Hip Hop this back to be a part of it. But that's where we're at really right now. Uh, we're in the process right now of relaunching our own nonprofit. We had started an official nonprofit back in 2015 that focused on youth engagement and youth awareness. Um, we're relaunching it towards the third or fourth quarter of this year because, you know, that takes a little bit of time to make sure it's done right um, to make sure that we focus on uh, mental awareness for young people. And young people, we're, meaning, we're talking from early teens to early adulthood. Um, and also still using hip hop to teach and empower through different life skills. So I think that's everything. Jeez.
0: <laughs> You're amazing. I, I just wanna I just want to give you your flowers now. You're amazing. That is awesome. Great work. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for your service to the community.
1: My last, yeah, that support has always been there from you personally, but also from our Discover Music channel. So, you know, anything y'all need, I'm always here for. But no, I definitely appreciate that.
0: All right, now, my last question, and this is a question that I've asked everybody as a DJ, what would be the advice you would give an aspiring DJ that's looking to get into it today?
1: Uh, figure out how fast How serious you are about it Because uh, it ain't cheap <laughs> It's a lot cheaper than it used to be But it still isn't cheap in the sense of, of Resources, time and money Because it's still to get good It Just to even figure out what kind of DJ that you are um, It's still going to take some time You know So figure it out pretty much how serious you are about it um, And you can tell how serious you are about it By how much research you're doing to it, How often you're talking to people like me How much research you're doing on your own how much research you are, you doing into the music, into the technical aspect of it, into actually learning how to mix. And I'm not even talking about the whole scratching versus uh, controller topic. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about how serious you take your craft. How are you gonna find your own personal niche? So with all of that, cause that's kind of like loaded like a fat potato. Um, the layers to it matter of, are you trying to really just get some attention on yourself? And figure this is a quick way to do it or do you really have a genuine yearning to want to learn how to DJ um and, and engage crowds engage people engage the culture that's what I tell them
0: engage the culture I like that so it. Without any further ado, we're going to get to some music mixed by DJ Knots. The well, Knots let everybody yeah. know how they can find you, where they can find you, if they wanted to know more about the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Oh, wow. I don't know if I'm ready for three of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, the best way, the most active way right now is on our Instagram at DJ Knots, DJ K N O T T S, at uh, Hip Hop Is Back, uh, on all platforms, Facebook. Everything is at hip hop an with S uh, back. Um, I still deal with Twitter on, on occasion, <laughs> and on there it's at DJ Knots. Um, I also have another page as well when it comes to, uh, like I said, dealing with, with, with life and helping people to construct where they should be and better their communication. That's at KJN Legacy. So, any one of those, I'm on there pretty active. But the easiest way to, one to get to is at DJ Knots, and we can build from there.
0: There you go. We're going to get into some music right now. This is the one and only Africa a lot. And you are tuned into being Africa a lot. This is the month of music with DJ Knott's. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Baby. It's a DJ Knott's. DJ oh. Knott's the one oh.
2: and only.
3: Hey.
2: A faded picture of you. And me hanging on my bedroom wall to symbolize our love Just to not light up what it used to be us But you're the one I want to call right now You're the one I want to see somehow Cause all habits die hard And all feelings don't part They just away hidden safe from all the pain hoping for Kirk Franklin's Friday days that's probably why this text is so long 1 a.m. early in the morning it's all because I never can say goodbye I Chipping what it was But God just ain't dropping mistakes from above So maybe it was a mistake splitting up Oh, oh Memories of you were like my favorite clips, my favorite clips And I can't so get enough so I rewind it Wait. I got it back cause I don't even cuss now nah. That's just how I get when I think of us Cause because I never can say goodbye I never can No, no, no No, 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 no. no never, you never say and grind
4: You should be living your life, you know that you got it Mercedes, you're driving, you should be excited Three shots at the white, we finally vibing, oh yeah The way you work working in Red Bottom Hills, girl, it's heaven.
3: By, yeah. And why do you pick up every time? I guess that's why I keep you on call Every time I'm good alcohol Cause I know you gon' do it. I want Don't mean to lead you oh, 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 oh. But I gotta keep you on call Every time I'm good alcohol do it I keep you on call. Every time I'm sipping now, good Cause I know you're gonna do what I want.
5: Don't put me in a box now I'm by myself, yeah, I'm on lockdown Sometimes you gotta find What's wrong, here yeah, what's right It's been a long road here coming Blue on his own And I can split the whole damn thing With my woman, what's yours is mine I'm sitting here with yours, man, mine Don't leave the house, baby you gotta swing my way, but don't believe I, babe I'm a shady, so don't believe I, babe I might lie sometimes, don't believe I, babe We're going to five in the morning, I caught you young She catching up. She got the to no catching up. No, she her body when a Don't make me see this, is so. oh. I have made it out. I my car left my, my residence And gas gaslight, and he smell the shit And the red light, inhaling it And the cops behind, they telling it And it up for up late, I might as well tell the shit No outweighing my love, ain't no scalin' it She wanna take a dose, uh-uh, gonna the shit <laughs> She wanna take a dose, uh-uh, gonna the shit Until five in the morning, I call you.
3: Cause you told me you would be my everything. If it's love, then baby, put it on me. It.
6: It. We
3: could hustle this together, you and me. Cause I told you I could be everything. If it's love, yes. then baby, put it on me.
5: Government logo, let the hustle take its course. I let you fuck me once, you wanna make me yours. Gucci shopping bags, I stuff them in the four by fours. Stop it, Louis, post a picture, kill them, no remorse. Kill the license, light a candle, come and fuck the boy. What's when nothings in my ear, you know that I'll enjoy. What you talking, not a problem, cause I handle yours. 50 stacks of pocket, really just for amateurs. Licking on your neck, might wake up pissing in a cup. Brew ballet bottles on ice, just for me to bust. When you do it like I do, I make you fall
3: in love Never slipping, but the difference is the all above I asked to that you hold it down for me Cause you told me you would be my everything If it's love, then baby, put it on me We could hustle this together, you and me Cause I told you I could be everything If it's love, then baby, put it on me Yeah, so.
7: Play each other, that's the way the game goes. I think it's got to way in, yeah. Uh I know I'm no good for you, but you're paying no mind, yeah. And you know that you're bad for me, so why we keep trying? Uh but see ya, uh, nah, nobody ever told me that you 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 be pulling. Finally, finally see it from the ground looking at who else
8: Home. And
5: I know I so
8: much of life. up yeah. yeah Niggas know they need to stop I'm standing at the top that's how I know you never seen the top Sierra King parking lot looking like Magic City parking lot Hit the talks when I walk by like you know it's over when you... yeah. Yeah. yeah Niggas know they need to stop I'm standing at the top that's how I know you never seen the top Sierra King parking lot looking like Mag city parking lot the talks when I walk by, like you know it's over when he drop, yeah, yeah, and I'm coming with the wop. y'all it, it, niggas it. not popping, Fuckin' and she going shopping, whoa, well, I'm running out of ops, they're running out of options, put them up for adoption, sign my name on the dot. This is not luck, baby. This no for a leaf, no horseshoe. I'm in the bank to get pour you. I'm in New York on John Chetry. Supermodels and they all sexy. Lock the door to the bathroom. Cause they doing something that is not Pepsi. I'm just pouring up the shots. I remember that I told you I missed you. That was kinda like a mass text. I remember that I told you I loved you. That was really in a past tense. I remember that I told you I get you. True fears that I get around. Mention having us a kid, 42 here, I send a kid around. Yeah. Benedict with the top down Shorty's out here getting knocked down City coming off a lockdown Rap niggas doing weak features for a pop artist Cause they pop down Used to wanna throw the rock up Niggas know how I rock now You know how I'm rocking now YM forever Big Al, Big Bird's forever Don't make me go get your mama to talk to you Cause if you gotta get your motherfucking mama to talk to you You know
3: what I'm saying? I'ma bring that motherfucking big switch out at this point, I'm going to start collecting child support the opposite way. You got to take me to my mother